1: All right, everyone, I want to bring in a very special guest. We've got Chris Holm-Holland here with us. He's uh, over there. You, you work a little bit with the franchise there in Oklahoma and kind of doing some stuff over there. How you doing, Chris Holm?
0: Doing well, brother. Doing well. Excited to be here. Appreciate you having me on. Uh, it's going to be fun to talk some you football for sure.
1: Yeah, yeah. And uh, for those who listen to the show, you know I'm a big Oklahoma fan, uh, but I don't talk a lot about Oklahoma because of that. Uh, and I usually stray away from it. But what better way to talk about Oklahoma than bringing somebody else on to talk about it with me? Uh, And so I I appreciate Chris Holm coming on and taking the time to talk a little bit of OU football. I think we've got a lot of uh, good things going for us right now. Uh, And I think from the outside looking in, you might be able to see some of that. But I think from the inside, for me anyways, I think a lot of fans may be in the same boat. Uh, It's just kind of a little bit of skepticism, maybe not trying to jump all in all at once but uh a lot of the a lot of the fan base is 100 behind uh, a lot of that's going on so with with a new regime taking place in oklahoma what part stands out the most uh to you looking forward
0: yeah i think uh sorry looking forward like as far as the future
1: uh yeah i mean either the future or even looking forward uh more just kind of however you want to take that either 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 this season or going forward from there
0: I say the thing that jumps out to me uh, about the past regime and, and Brent Venables, and I'm not one of those guys who's like, "Hey, Lincoln Riley's a terrible coach." Lincoln Riley won a bunch of games, right? Yeah. Like, was his exit tough? Sure, right? Like, yeah. was that the way that most people? No, of course that's not the way most people would want it to happen. But like, Lincoln Riley can coach some football. Uh, I understand that there's a lot of like, he's not as good as he built out to be, and that might be true. But he's a good college coach. Uh, but there's a different approach uh, with Brent Venables, and I, I think it's pretty fascinating. Like, if you ask both those guys, like, "Hey, what's your main goal?" Right? It's to win as many games as possible. I want to yeah. win, win. I want to win a national championship. Like, they would have the same answer, but their approaches are so different. Uh, obviously, I work for 1077, the franchise, and we're the flagship at OU, so we get a little bit of access to the program. And I'll just tell you, man, as far as like from the inside uh, with Lincoln, it was we are going to sacrifice whatever it takes to win on Saturday. Right, which sounds like a great answer. And Brent Venables is, we're going to sacrifice whatever we have to to win the biggest Saturday. And there's a key difference there, right? Like I think the UTEP game is a great example. Uh, They had that game 21 nothing. They could have named their score, right? They leave the starters in on defense. I think it's ugly in a hurry. They didn't do that. Uh, They they prioritize. We're going to play a bunch of true freshmen on the back end. We're going to have some third stringers in the at corner, like we're going to get some reps for some kids who might not see a ton of reps uh, this season. And we're going to do a little bit of the development thing early. Lincoln did not do that, right? Like Lincoln was, let's see how many points we can put on the board. Let's see how far we can run away with this. And let's see how good we can look. So when the college football playoff rankings come out, we get like this margin of victory bump, which is again, a a totally fair frame of mind, just different. Uh, And so I, I think that is like the one thing that jumps out to me, two men chasing the exact same goal in like 180 degrees, different directions.
1: Yeah, yeah, and it is—it is crazy to see how much of a change this regime is going to be with with bringing in Brent Venables. Uh, I think just looking at it, of course, obviously we've we, we've been known for the last what maybe eight to ten years almost now uh, to to just have a high powered offense, not much of a defense, and even yeah. a part of that part of that not having a defense at all. Uh, and I think with Lincoln Riley, you kind of see that whenever he gets there. Like you said, he he can win games. He won a lot of games. He got us to the playoffs several times, but the problem that you see with him getting into the playoffs and one criticism that I think most people have, you know, you look at uh, maybe maybe excluding the the LSU game, um, but you know, you look at the, the the two, you know, you take a look at uh, uh, Georgia and Alabama both. Whenever Oklahoma goes against them, it's it's all scores and it's all a big big scoring shootout uh, is what it comes down to. And and uh, in both of those games, Georgia being much closer. Alabama looked like it could get ugly very quick until, uh, you know, things started rolling. But with that with that offensive approach, that's something that I think has been a a pretty big uh, criticism towards Oklahoma, which now a big change, uh, which is which is really exciting to see. And uh, as as soon as Lincoln Riley left, it was tough. But as soon as he left, I thought I think the one guy I want to go after is Brent Venables. And of course, that's what what name kind of rose to the top. Uh, Most Oklahoma fans who know him, you know, know that we want him back.
0: Yeah. It's, it's funny too, man. Like, like I was, so I was in high school, obviously when Brett was coaching, like I'm not going to track Like I'm an, I'm an old head as far as like some 40 or 50 year old who's been following Oklahoma football forever. I like Brent's exit from Oklahoma was awkward. Like all those years ago, it was not like he was this like top of the market, you know, defensive coordinator, everybody loved him and they were crushed when he went to Clemson. Like, people were ready to pack his bags, right? Not the whole fan base, but a large portion of his fan base was, like, ready to put him on a plane because he was struggling with the high-tempo Big 12 offenses. Now, in hindsight, high-tempo offenses were the future of college football, and nobody really had figured them out yet, and now Brent has figured them out as, bad as, bad as well as anybody. Yeah, so it's interesting, right? Like, he was so successful, obviously won the national championship in 2000, and then struggled with the new wave of college that no one saw coming, and the Big 12 was just kind of the first conference to do it. So he's kind of a victim of being in the wrong place at the wrong time, and then you know, capitalized with a couple national championships in Clemson. And I was like the, uh, the wayward son returning home. Right. Like yeah. it's, it's an interesting story arc for Brent and he has been all in from the jump. He said all the right things. And, and you're right. He is, as far as like the, I don't want to say like Hollywood mentality, but like Lincoln has an approach, right. To recruiting, to football, to everything. Like he has a style. It felt very foreign to Oklahoma. Like yeah. It just did. It's just it did not res- it did not uh, resound with this fan, fan base. Brent is of we're going to have a hard hitting, tough, uh, aggressive defense with a high powered, you know, fast offense. Like that all just sounds like what OU fans grew up with, and so it does feel more it does feel more natural for sure with his approach.
1: Yeah, yeah, and uh, you know, you you kind of brought it up, but I'll I'll go ahead and take a look back at last weekend against UTEP, uh, just because I think before the season started, we could all you know kind of look forward and try to predict what's going to happen and try Mm -hmm. to predict based on having Jeff Levy in and bringing in Dylan Gabriel, who is proven to have a good arm and a pretty solid arm. I think his, his vision is very well. Uh, and, and then also looking at Brent Venables, knowing that he's, he's, uh, improved a lot in his coaching, uh, schemes and his coaching, uh, ability and just his overall understanding of the game. Not only that, like you, you mentioned, he's got a couple of national championships over at Clemson under his belt now, and he's, He's a big part of that, uh, being an assistant coach, moving up in the ranks there. So, uh, but I, I want to start off looking, looking at last week, looking at UTEP, where we can actually see the team in mm-hmm. action. Uh, what do you think is the, the key to the success for the offense to move the ball and score some points?
0: Yeah, so it's, uh, it's, it's a different approach, obviously, from Lincoln, but it's, it's similar in a way that they are uh, unrelenting as far as like, what, what our style is going to be, and they don't adjust. It's so, like the tempo is the biggest X factor for them. They yeah. play so fast, um, yeah, and now, Levy said that's as fast as they want to play. Like That was like mock speed, uh, but with that, the thing with uh, playing quick is it's great when it's working, and it was working against UTEP outside of the 2-3. Now, it's in the first half. Uh, it's going to look really good because it looks simple, and you get an advantage basically like, hey, they have this corner out here lined up on Marvin Mims. That kid can't guard him, and so now like we're not going to huddle, so they can't substitute. They can't rotate and we're going to force that kid to guard Marvin Mims for five plays in a row, and he won't be able to do it. Like, that's that's the strategy. That works when it works well. Uh, and so tempo offenses generally, just from like a, a historical football standpoint, work really well when you're more talented. The, yeah. the interesting question for them having success going forward is, okay, so you're going to look good against Kent State this weekend. Like, they're going to look really good on uh, against Kent State. Okay, so now you're going to turn around and you're going to play Nebraska. Well, Nebraska's not any good, so you're going to look good against Nebraska as well. Now Kansas State rolls in for your first conference game. Kansas State's defense looks all right. Yeah, how good do you look against Kansas State, right? Because two, three, and outs is not a backbreaker when you're playing with tempo, but five, five's bad. Like because now you're putting your defense out there for way more snaps, way more time of possession. Gets even more lopsided than it was against Utah, and they lost the time of possession against Utah because they're playing so quick, uh, and that stuff starts to matter. So the key for them to be a good offense is they have to have success early, uh, and they can't have those backbreaking three and outs where it's where it's four or five in a game. Because then you're, putting your, you're compromising your defense in a pretty major way. So basically what it comes down to is like how good is Jeff Levy at preparing, right? Like how good is he on Monday through Friday as far as getting ready uh, for the opponent? Because if the offense comes out and struggles, they, I mean they are putting their defense it, in a hole in a pretty major way. And that, I mean, that's when we saw Clemson lose games, right? Because they played a pretty similar style.
1: Yeah, yeah, and it's it's something that it has to be a good balance and a good communication between both offensive and defensive coordinators understanding the tempo of each other. And kind of knowing the limits of each other, I think, as well. Sure. It's um, interesting, too,
0: because Brent, Brent, Brent has said that like, that's not what they're doing, which is, yeah. t- A, not what I'd recommend. Uh, yeah. B, not, I've never heard anyone else say this, but Brent this week said, like, we told Levy, like, no matter what is happening on the defensive side of the football, you play fast. Like, be you. Uh, because our job as a defense is always just to get the ball back to the offense, and it shouldn't matter if you score in three plays or if you punt it back in three plays. Like We still yeah. have to play defense. I, that yeah, is not that's not that's not customary in college football so I'm interested to see if that works or not
1: yeah one thing one thing that I think uh, without looking at the game uh, and actually watching it and seeing what was actually going on before your eyes when you just look at the maybe the stats and take a look back it doesn't really look like Oklahoma did all that that much um, but kind of like what we're mentioning how fast the offense was uh, the fact that they had a couple of pretty early three and outs that kind of looked a little a little bit like uh, maybe a repeat of, of last year where we had a lot of really the last few years where we have a lot of Close games that that maybe maybe don't end up going the way that we yeah. would want them to go, but we still pull out the win. Um, you know, so that's kind of it was kind of scary for a little bit. But looking at it overall, I think one thing on the defense that I can take away from is just seeing that even though they they were out there quite a bit, uh, they they had a very good pass rush. But something that people won't recognize by looking at the stats is just how fast UTEP's quarterback was at getting the ball out, uh, and the schemes that they were doing were were good for them to get that ball out uh, very fast um but kind of looking over the defense because we know with Brent Venables coming in that it's going to be more of a defensive uh, focus uh, from his mindset anyways trying to get that that defense really going uh, and and rolling really well uh you know we, we talked quite a bit about the offense just now and how how they looked how do you think the defense played overall last week against UTEP? uh
0: i thought it was okay um i thought that, i thought like the first 11 looked really good um, yeah. I thought Reggie Grabs was awesome. I thought Ethan Downs, even though his like counting stats weren't great, I thought he looked really well, looked really good. Uh, and you know, Deshaun White playing the cheetah and Aguayo and Stutzman, uh, you know, made plays uh, on the back end the entire time. And, and I, I can't think of like giant plays from the secondary as far as the corners go, and that's a good sign, right? Yeah. Like it, when you remember a from the corner, it's usually because they got burnt, not because they made some incredible play. Uh, and Billy Bowman, by the way, uh, you know, broke on a couple of footballs and almost came up with a with a few turnovers that were awesome. But overall, yeah. like the starting eleven strong like uh better than i anticipated i will say the depth did make me a little worried um linebacker stuff uh is going to be interesting to see where they end up there like how many snaps can white can igwebu can stutzman play especially if they're playing a ton of possessions with the tempo offense Uh, because i do think there's a pretty big drop off between them and the in the second string and then on the back end uh you know we've seen a lot of justin Broyles over the years i think that we uh I think we know that there's a ceiling on Justin Broyles' play. Uh, And so when Key Lawrence or when Billy Bowman have to come off the field and Broyles hops out there, I do think that's a pretty significant drop-off. So like that would be my major concern on the defense is, yeah, when our starters are out there, we're going to look pretty good. uh, But we had to put that back line in there. Defensive line excluded. But if we had to put that back line in there on the linebackers in the secondary, there could be some issues. Uh, And At least that's against UTEP, right? That's week number one. uh, And that's kind of what Brent talked about is that Uh, You can't build depth unless you give depth the chance to build. Uh, And so that's why those guys played a bunch, right? That's why UTEP scored a touchdown in the first half is because it was basically on the entire second string. Uh, And so like they're trying to get those guys some reps in non-conference play, which I, which again, is a, is a difference between the, uh, between Brent and Lincoln. Uh, And so maybe that pays off down the road, but that would be a concern.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think uh, one thing that I see that I kind of took away from the defense, a lot of that was more or less just the, the way that the, the kind of the scheme that I think, uh, the, the defensive coaches chose to, to run mainly because it is utep you don't want to give anything up you just want to play a, a good solid game yeah uh, not focus so much on stats but just focus on keeping everything in front of you and i think a lot of the time what i saw was a lot of preventive zone uh things where you know you've got your your secondary and sometimes even your linebackers dropping a little bit further back to keep everything out in front of you and one thing that i can i think i can take away that makes me very excited for this defense may not necessarily be that they had the greatest coverage ever that they were in there able to force turnovers or anything. Cause that wasn't the case, but just the fact that whenever, whenever things were in front of them, uh, they made a lot of open field tackles, a lot of uh, really good open field tackles. Uh, I think Stutzman had had probably one of the best ones that we saw uh, sure. all game, but uh, just looking at that, I think that was something that was a huge improvement by, by looking at the last maybe four to five seasons of Oklahoma football where you've got a lot of arm tackles that get broken. People get outside. We saw that a lot against Deuce Vaughn the last few years that he's been playing. So uh, that's one thing I think I can take away from the defense, just seeing that when things are in front of them, they're not letting them past. So that was, that was definitely good.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think, uh, I think there's been a giant mentality shift, uh, on that defense is what's driven me crazy over the years. is like the missed tackles thing. I know is like very easy for the fans to see. And I get it like yards are tough, right? When you're giving up big chunk plays and stuff, Oklahoma just has never created turnovers, uh, yeah. You know, under Alex Grinch. And like that was Alex Grinch's thing, right? Like That's what he preached yeah. in, in press conference, right? We want to create – and they just never did it. And last year, they did towards the back end of the season uh, and kind of padded some of those stats. But generally, under their regime, he just didn't create turnovers. Uh, Billy Bowman breaking on three footballs in the first half, right, and just getting – like that's just things they didn't do last year. They were so worried about breaking on a football and missing, right, and then giving up the 30-yard touchdown or whatever, that they were terrified to try to make a play. Yeah, That's not the case now. Uh, and like I think that is such a healthy change. Like you can't be terrified to fail. And it did feel like at certain points last year they were terrified to fail, especially on the back end. So like guys like, uh, you know, guys like uh, Delario Yell who are playing a bunch of stats because they were always in the right place. You know, DTY made the Broncos right, so he's an NFL caliber player. But I don't know how you can watch Key Lawrence and Billy Bowman and not think, well, these guys are more explosive, right? And they're going to create more plays for us. Maybe they make a mistake, uh, which was always Alex Grinch's point. So they're going to make a mistake, but they also could create uh, an extra possession. And, like, that is so much more important than, uh, you know, giving up a, a second-and-ten conversion. Like, it just is. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I, that's something I always struggle with, uh, with Grinch is, is the, the fear to fail uh, as opposed to seeing it as an opportunity to, like, allow guys to make, uh, to make a play. And not only Billy Bowman, right? We saw, we saw uh, Danny Stutzman have a play that I'm sure he's going to want to have back for a long time. Uh, I don't know how many times you're going to see a Will linebacker Come from the middle of the interior of the defense and break it to the outside, covering the out route of a receiver, right? Like, that's that is Brent Venables, like to a T, right? Like, that is such creative defense. The quarterback had, why would you ever expect that, right? A guy from a linebacker playing in the middle to be on the boundary by the time you throw a 15 yard out route. And Stutzman almost comes out with a pick six, like creating turnovers with the way you're calling defenses, creating turnovers with the way that you're rotating, being unexpected, disguising coverage. I mean, we hear that all the time on TV broadcasts. We didn't see that a lot of that Norman here recently, like that has changed. Is it going to be successful? I don't know. Right. I don't know. But they are very clearly trying to at least be vaguely deceptive, which I would say is a great thing to do when you're going to play the, the, you know, the string of quarterbacks at OU will this year, which is, you know, pretty light. Like they don't have like a great quarterback on the docket, maybe outside of Spencer Sanders.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and looking at it uh, on the paper again, kind of like what you brought up there is that we, we don't have the turnovers on the paper. But there are a lot of opportunities there where they're attacking for them. They're, they're, they're getting there. And I think that's something that over time, as you, as you work on it, that's that's some stuff that I think you can uh, you can kind of practice on. You can practice on getting your hands around the ball and pulling it into your chest, you know, get, getting that that ball sure. in, in to, to create that turnover. Cause you were already there. You don't you don't have to work that much on on that aspect, but you do have to work on being able to bring it in and creating the turnover. Sure. But um, so with Oklahoma, I think one thing that I I can remember for as long as I've been a fan Uh, and it's just something that every year you look forward to it and you're thinking, all right, where's that one trap game? Because it seems like every year Oklahoma has has the one game that they probably shouldn't even lose. It's not even a game that, that is on the radar that you're thinking, Oh, yep. They're, they're a tough team. It's just a trap game. Uh, And so looking forward to the schedule this year, what, what game do you look at as maybe a trap game for Oklahoma this year?
0: Yeah, it's tough. Um, because I like the trap game stuff is, is very true. Uh, yeah. it, it stinks up on college football teams all the time. I, I don't know why. Maybe it's just my perception of Brent. Like, if there's just one thing I don't think Brent's going to do, it's go into a week and just like not have his P's and Q's that everyone's set up. Right. Because, yeah. Again, I don't think he's worried about like we need to win this game by 50 because we're 50 points better than because they, I mean, they're 50, 60 points better than UTEP, and he didn't really have any interest in, in showing that. So, I, I'm interested to see if they do that, right? Like, how nice would it be? Again, I'm not an Oklahoma fan, right? I just cover the team. and I didn't grow up cheering for them. Uh, But, like, how nice would it be for an Oklahoma fan just to be like, hey, we're a normal football team. Everyone we're supposed to beat, we beat. We might not, like, run up the score. We might not be on the ESPN top ten plays. But we just beat who we're supposed to beat. And, like, the game's never in doubt. We win by 25 points at a time, and we move on to Saturday. Yeah, that'd be a huge change. Like that would be wonderful. I think that's a possibility. Like, I do wonder if maybe this year there isn't like the big marquee. Holy crap! Can you put up? Can you believe they put up seventy points on Texas Tech? But there's a whole lot of, you know, thirty-eight to ten wins, right, and and stuff like that. So, I I think that's a possibility. If I was gonna like try to like guess at what the Brent Venables culture is gonna be, and also saying that if they play a really good team, they could just lose, right? Like, there's there's a there's a there's a double edged sword there. Uh, but anyway so as far as picking like a trap game that you look at their schedule obviously like the Baylor game is gonna be the toughest opponent they probably play this year Oklahoma State at the end of the year but those aren't trap games they can see those coming uh, you know it's hard it's hard to know after one week uh, of who could give them trouble but you always have to think about like mobile quarterbacks and things like that and Chandler and Morris look really good at, at TCU uh, you know that's gonna be the week before the Texas game maybe they fall asleep there but Again, uh, I just don't see that happening. I just really don't. But, like, if I was going to pick one, again, a mobile quarterback, the week before your big time rival, the first time Brent Venables gets to coach against your big time rival, first time Dylan Gabriel gets to play against your big time rival. Maybe they come into that one lackadaisical against the Horn Frogs. But I, t- I mean, my expectation is that they're going to win every game they're supposed to. And then, like, Oklahoma State, Baylor, and-, and maybe Texas, just because fluky things happen in that game. Yeah. The rest, like, those are the real toss ups. Like, I think they could play a pretty clean slate and win the games they're supposed to and lose a couple that, you know, we're, were up in the air, which again, would be a nice change.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, and, I, and I like you bringing it up that way because for me, I look at it and just, I, I guess before week one, I, I kind of looked at it as, you know, you've got your Kansas state or uh, maybe Iowa state and TCU, the three big ones that I kind of looked at mm-hmm. uh, just kind of be in those games. But then after week one, like you said, just being able to play with everything in front of you and, and win the game. doesn't matter that you you put up the crazy stats that, that make it, make you, you know, cause nobody's talking about Oklahoma from week one because they played a, a little nobody team and beat them really good. Uh, and so yeah. nobody's really talking about that. Um, you know, they, they beat them decent, but they didn't completely dominate them the way that Alabama dominated Utah state or something like that. So yeah, I, I, I like that. And I, and I hope, I hope you're right. I hope that is the way that they keep on playing. Um, because you know it, I mean, it's, it's the way
0: Brent talks about it. Yeah. It's the way Brent talks about it. And they, you know, it's one week, uh, coaches say a bunch of stuff they don't mean once the schedule starts gets going, but you know that's the way Brent talks, and I just Lincoln never talked that way. Yeah, uh, so I, I think that's the way he views it. Which again, like, won't have uh, Oklahoma leading headlines. They won't be on the front page of the Athletic or any, you know ESPN or any of those things. But they're going to win a lot of football games doing that.
1: Yeah, yeah, and uh, as as you as you mentioned, coaches saying things that they that they don't mean or anything. Yeah. I know I, I do remember coaches in the past. Even saying that they were planning to stick around for much longer than they were, but uh, nobody's nobody's really heard about that anymore. But yeah, kind of going on, uh, I want to take us off of Oklahoma for just a minute, but stay in the Big 12. Uh, There's a big game in the Big 12 happening this weekend. We've got Texas playing Alabama. They're hosting Alabama Mm -hmm. here in week two. Uh, Any words of advice for the Big 12 rival?
0: (laughs) Uh, I mean hold on for dear life starting a true freshman left tackle against will Anderson is basically just a death sentence for when Ewers. <laughs> like it's a it's a terrible idea I would not recommend it uh yeah I mean they, they need to try to hand the ball to Bajon as much as they can they need to try to run clock yeah. they need to try to get you know a handful of first downs and just pray to the lord on high that maybe they can break one off uh with worthy or something on the back end like they, they they're just gonna be outclassed I mean I don't know if you saw Steve Sarkeesian talking about it this week, but he was basically like, I just want to remind everybody, this game doesn't keep us from getting to Dallas to play for the Big 12 championship game. This game doesn't affect our conference record. Like, that doesn't sound like someone who thinks they're gonna lose. I don't know what does. Like the coach isn't interested in trying to prove they can win that game. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, they're gonna have their hands full. I I yeah. I think that's probably gonna be a runaway freight. Train.
1: Freight trade. Yeah I, yeah, I look at that game and I'm thinking, like, if you are Texas, whether you're a player or a coach, how do you go into that game and say, we have a chance by exploiting this because if you look at something, you know, if you, if you look at every aspect of, of Alabama versus Texas, uh, I don't think that Texas has a single area where they're better than Alabama anywhere on the field. You know, they, they might have a a better running back, but that's about it. Uh, And so just, just looking at, at, at Texas. Yeah. I, I, I I think I can agree with you. Just hold on for dear life. Uh, Yeah. Good luck. And uh, just, just come out, come out healthy. That's that's the best advice I could give them.
0: Yeah, the, uh, um, the guy I do the show with every day, uh, throughout the uh, the conspiracy theory that Texas should start Hudson Card in week one and two, so Hudson Card takes the beating from Alabama and then <laughs> start Quinn Ewers in week number three, and I, I thought that was pretty brilliant. It's Really, really yeah, demented, but I thought that was pretty brilliant at the time.
1: Yeah, yeah, I like it, uh, and I, I, I mean it's it's not a bad idea uh, because you know you're going to get beat up by Alabama. You know you're, you're you know you're going to get hit in the backfield a few times. Sure. Um, looking forward to week two, uh, matchup for, for Oklahoma. We've got Kent state, uh, again, another, another easy game. One thing I don't like about these kind of cupcake games in in the beginning of the year, uh, is that you just don't know exactly how good your team's really going to be. Um, but again, like we've mentioned several times now, uh, just the way that they're playing these, these easy games, uh, is, is reassuring that they're not going to come into these games and expect to, to really kill them or anything, but just play the game proper, uh, what do you look forward to in the, in the matchup against Kent state? how do you, how do you think that game's going to go for Oklahoma this week?
0: Yeah. um, So if you would ask me like two weeks ago, like I thought going into the UTEP game, it was going to be a little bit of a let's shut them up mentality, right? Like, uh, there's been a lot of like Oklahoma doesn't have it because Lincoln left. And I, I think by the fan base, that's largely overblown. Like people like Kirk Kirk Street are all over Oklahoma having a good season, right? Like there are people out there who think that Oklahoma is in good hands, but yeah. there's a lot of people, right, who've been pretty public saying they thought that the Sooners are going to take a step back without Lincoln. And so I thought going into week number one, like, you know, Jeff Levy, uh, he talked about blood in the water all off season and uh, not taking your foot off the gas and proving a point. So I thought they were going to try to run up the score in UTEP, and they didn't. Uh, so that changes my perception on this game. I think this is going to be similar. Uh, I do think Brent, and he has acknowledged it, is uh, is worried about the depth problems uh, from the back end of the defense and then as well as the offensive line. Uh, and so I think that we're going to see Oklahoma do something pretty similar that they did against UTEP, uh, which is get up early, right, and then start rotating in some of those backups and trying to get snaps for some guys who might have to play up the road uh, to give them an opportunity to improve. And so uh, my expectation is this is not – some big giant major blowout that again is some 50 point margin. Like, I think this is going to be about, you know, Brent's big buzzword, which is game control. Like we're never going to be worried about OU winning this game, but we are going to be sitting there going, they could be up by a lot more if they wanted to. And the the thing is they just don't care to like, it's about, it's about the development of the young guys. So that way, whenever they get to Oklahoma state or Baylor, if Woody Washington gets hurt, right. CJ Cole didn't, you know, is ready to go. Like that's the game they're playing. Uh, And so I I would say this is going to be a very sound win, not an extraordinary win, not an out of of this world win, something like, you know, 41-13 or 38-10, something like that. Uh, And and we're just going to see a ton of Gavin Sawchuck, right? The true freshman running back, right? We're going to see a ton of Javante Barnes. We're going to see a bunch of, you know, offensive line rotation and see where Robert Congol plays plays, uh, both guards again. Stuff like that. Like, I think we're just going to see a bunch of guys. We saw 30 guys on defense like 22 guys on offense. Uh, I think those are both going to be upwards of 30 uh, against Kent state because Kent, Kent state plays as fast as Oklahoma does. The problem is they're just not very good. Yeah. Uh, so Oklahoma will have the ball a few more times. Than they did against UTEP.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's something too, that, that I think uh, Brett Venables and I think Jeff Lubby ha- have even talked about in press conferences is just the fact that they didn't feel like they got uh, as many guys in as they wanted. They talked about that a lot and they just didn't do it. And they, they recognized that after the, after the fact, but, uh yeah, I hope you're right. And uh, hopefully they can they can keep on playing these these small games uh, just that way because as much as Oklahoma fans want to see that 67 to zero, 70 to zero score or something, you yeah. know, whatever whatever we can put up on them and we'll just just murder them, uh I think we have the capability with the talent uh to be able to do something like that, you know, to 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 come in and murder these teams. But like you said, I, I like the mentality that Brent Venables is coming in and just just win the game and just just win it, you know, the right way. Uh, and mm-hmm. so I think that, I think that's a good mentality to come in, come into the game with.
0: Yeah, we'll see if it pays off. Uh, like I yeah. said, there's a bunch of different ways to paint the same painting. Uh, yeah. And LSU, right, in uh, 2019 uh, with uh, Joe Burrow, their, their yeah. name of the game is we're trying to hang a hundred on everybody because like, we want to leave no doubt. And then they just became like a bowling ball, right? They just, you know, just crushing teams because they, A, had confidence, and B, uh, were scaring the bejesus out of everybody the next week. That there's there's a way to do the opposite of that so it's just a different approach um yeah. you know consistency right it's a little bit of the Clemson model Clemson does not play 77 seven games right they, yeah. I mean every game they play is 45 13 and they play in the ACC yeah. uh, which is about the same caliber of a conference as the big 12 so just a different approach yeah. I find it fascinating I do
1: yeah absolutely and I think it's a good one uh, and, and and talking to you I'm glad that that somebody else can kind of kind of kind of see that a little bit it's kind of the same way that I do you know just because I think there probably will be some Oklahoma fans out there that don't like it, but, uh, hopefully we can kind of come around to it. Um, but Chris, I appreciate you coming on. I'll let you go. Cause, uh, you know, I don't want to take up too much of your time, but appreciate you very much for coming on. But before you do leave, uh, can you let my listeners know where to find your work?
0: Sure. Yeah, so I work, at the, I work at the franchise in Oklahoma City, 107.7. Uh, obviously, our signal's statewide, so if you're in the state of Oklahoma, you can hop on and listen to us. We are the flagship for Oklahoma, so pre-games, post-games, all that stuff I'm in charge of, so on the air a lot, 3 to 6, Monday through Friday. I do a daily uh, radio show, so you can hang out with me and Ryan Chapman, for sure. Um, I uh, also uh, help out with the Crimson and Cream machine uh, and do some uh, podcast work with them. Uh, every so often, and a couple of articles a week, so you can kind of check out some of the stuff there. Not real journalism. I'm a little bit more of a uh, of an entertainer than a journalist, for sure. So All a little right. bit different of approach to Oklahoma football. So you can check that out. And then uh, Twitter, it's at Chisholm Holland, C H I S H O L M Holland, H O L A N D. So yeah, Chisholm Holland, man. Appreciate you having me on, brother.
1: All right, thank you. Yeah, appreciate. It. Lucky Land Casino asking people, "What's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky?" Lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office
0: This is possibility, powered by Shopify. Start selling online today. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com/free22. 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 Internet connection required. Not available on mountaintops or sea floors.